Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. If your brain is not functioning at its best, then check out what the team at vlight.com do. Now, vlight produces photobiomodulation devices. Now, your brain function depends largely on the health of the energy sources of the brain cells, in other words, the mitochondria. And research has shown that stimulating your brain with near-infrared light revitalizes mitochondria. Now, I use these devices daily for both my own optimal brain function and also for other age-related decline issues and also for my mum's brain rehabilitation after her aneurysm and stroke. So check out what the team do at vilight.com that's v-i-e-l-i-g-h-t.com and use the code tarmati at checkout to get 10% off any of their devices well hi everybody lisa tarmati here at pushing the limits today i have a solo cast so no guests but i wanted to do a short sort of episode around decision making processes and why sometimes we don't make the decisions that we want to make and why we're not always in control of the things that we want to do. So this time of the year a lot of us have been setting uh, New Year's goals and resolutions and we often find ourselves failing when it comes to actually doing those goals and doing what we set out to do and we come across some stumbling blocks. And I've talked on previous podcasts about the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton and the Biology of Belief, his book, um, about the subconscious and how that can sometimes sabotage us in our um, ability to follow through with decisions that we make. But I wanted to go on a bit of a different tangent today and look at the work of uh, Dr. David and Dr. Austin Perlmutter, who have just brought out a book called Brainwash, which is uh, also really worth a read. Um, And these are, you know, when you start to, you know, I've been studying a lot, obviously, in the last four years about brain rehabilitation, controlling the brain and understanding the brain. Um, And you get lots of snippets of information from all of these great sources um, and starting to connect the dots with a lot of things. So why is it that we can, you know, set out to do things and then we don't do them. We set out to go to the gym. We set out to get fit. We set out to lose weight and eat more healthily. Uh, and and then on the first time that chocolate bar appears, we're, we're gone and <laughs> we're back to um, doing things we don't want to do. And this is uh, a problem of, of the human condition, I think. But if we understand, if we start to look into the decision-making process and how we're making those decisions, we can actually see how the cards are stacked against us in our modern society, uh, especially. Um, We'll start with, for example, our food supply. So our food supply is not what our grandparents had. It is full of processed foods. It is full of sugar. Apparently over about, and this is in America, a statistic out of America, about 68% of the foods in the supermarket, this is millions of products, have added sugar. So even when we decide we're not going to have sugar, it's very, very hard to avoid some of the hidden sugars that are in things like, you know, tomato sauces and uh, things where you wouldn't actually uh, expect to find sugar. And these are all forms of sugar. It's not just when you read sugar on the label. These are your, your corn syrups. These are your, you know, coconut sugars. This could be palm sugar. This is what you might consider even healthy options, but they are sugar, even in fructose and fruit. Um, 
And so what does sugar do in the brain? Well, sugar, from an evolutionary point of view, our brains are wired to search out for sugar because when, when food is scarce, as it was in the past, then we are wanting to chase foods that are high in sugar because it gives us energy and so on. The problem is we have so much sugar in our society and it's very addictive. And they say it's as addictive as cocaine. Um, but so one of the problems that we have, when we, when we eat sugar, then a number of things are happening. Uh, we're spiking our sh blood sugar levels and causing an insulin release, and then we're liable to put on more weight as it gets stored in our fat stores. But there's a whole lot of other things going on. There's inflammation uh, happening in the body when we take on way too much sugar. And this is affecting our ability to make good decisions. Now, why is that? Well, in the brain, we have something called the prefrontal cortex, which is where your your executive function, your, your logical brain sits. And then we have what they call the limbic brain, and in particular, the amygdala, which is your, it's an older part of the brain, and it's much more impulsive. It's, the, it's, the, it's like the um, alarm system. It's always looking for threats, and it's always impetuous, and it's always, it's the one that will hijack you for example, you get angry in traffic and it's the one that has you swearing before you even know what you're doing. It's the one that reacts faster than your prefrontal cortex. Now, when you have a lot of sugar, there is a disconnect between the prefrontal cortex and this limbic brain and the amygdala. And the amygdala comes to the fore and the prefrontal cortex and its decision-making and its executive function is lowered. So what this means for us is that we then become more prone to making very short-term, short-viewed decisions. So this becomes then a spiral. So we start to make unhealthy choices. So the more sugar we consume, the more likely we are to consume more and to do things that are not good for us uh, and turns off uh, or lowers the, the executive function and that amygdala in this way sort of hijacks us from what we want to be doing with our logical brain. We've decided we don't want as much sugar. We want to have a healthy f uh, foods. We want to be healthier. But along comes the amygdala and it overpowers this. And the inflammation that's caused by sugar will cause us to make more of those decisions. Now, there are lots of other things that are influencing our decision-making ability. Hormones, for example. Um, an interesting fact uh, with the contraceptive pill that women, so many women are on. Um, been doing a lot of research into that lately too, and that can have a very big uh, effect on your decision-making ability. All our hormones, we're very, very, you know, chemical-based beings that um, a lot of what we do is influenced by the, these sorts of things. We all know what happens when we have alcohol, it turns off our, our logical thinking brain and we do dumb things, and that's another example of the amygdala being stronger in that case and taking over. And it's like having, if you like, it's like the parents being away on holiday while the kid's at home running the ship. And of course the kids are going to make decisions that are bad because they're not looking at it with a long-term view or with a maturity uh, and with intelligence and long-term thinking. A child just looks at the next 30 seconds of pleasure and makes that decision. And that's what's happening in the brain. And when we have a lot of sugar in our diet, that's uh, one of the things that's happening. So this becomes then a spiral 
not only a physiological spiral where the you know you're raising your blood sugar levels, you're causing an insulin release, you're dropping your blood sugar levels, and then that's causing cravings, but also this part of the brain is being turned off this this prefrontal cortex or its function is being lowered, and so we're less likely to make more good decisions. Now, by the same token, this sort of process is going along with uh, exercise as well. So we all know exercise is good for us. We, we all know that, and we don't necessarily all do enough exercise. Um, and again, this becomes a spiral. So the more exercise we do, the more connection we have with our prefrontal cortex, and the more ability we have to make good decisions once again. Once again, the parents are at home. When we've been doing more exercise, we have an ability to control ourselves better and to make better decisions. So that's one of the thousands of reasons why we should be exercising. When we exercise, we uh, produce more brain-derived nootrophic factor, another really important reason. Uh, we are detoxifying as we sweat and as we pump the blood around. There's so many reasons why we should be exercising. But, of course, it all comes down to the fact that we don't always feel like it. And if we've been eating bad, then we're even less likely to feel like it. And that amygdala is, again, going to override our decision-making process to actually go out and do the exercise that we said we we're going to do today. And when, in regards to exercise, sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. We're like, right, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week for the rest of the year. Or, you know, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to train really, really hard and I'm going to do this, right? And then we set the bar so high that if we're unable to actually attain the required training a day, say I've decided I'm going to spend an hour a day in the gym and today I've been so busy that I've only got half an hour and so I decide not to go at all. Now, it is always better to have that incremental amount of exercise, even if it's not the full amount. So even if my day has gone totally to custard and I'm really, really busy, which happens quite often in my life, a 10-minute walk in the park is better than none. It's better than doing no exercise. And so sometimes having a, oh, it's not worth me going because I've only got half an hour, that is actually a detrimental attitude. You know, whatever you can get in, okay, you didn't reach what was on the list today, but you got 10 minutes out of that hour. And that 10 minutes is better than nothing. Another thing that I wanted to discuss is our modern technologies and our screen time. And um, we all know that technology is all pervasive in our lives and it has wonderful, wonderful implications for us and empowers us and has changed the way we live our lives. But it's also very insidious in that a lot of the apps and a lot of the things that we do online are made to be addictive. And so often, you know, I find myself doing this myself, you know, I have a job to do, I go online to answer an email or to go to Messenger and answer somebody's inquiry, and then I find myself off somewhere looking at somebody's social media feed and end up in places I don't want to, and that time is then lost. And it's so easy to be distracted and just led down this path, and then that takes up time and energy from our brains and we are also spending just so many hours in front of uh, com computer screens, TV screens, every which way. And this is causing structural changes in our brains. 
And of course, this is very much so, you know, affecting our children. And I don't really think we've even scratched the surface of what effect it's going to have in the long term. We really don't know, but it's going to be major, that's for sure. The changes that our children's brain is going to have in comparison to how we grow up. Um, so, some putting some parameters around your technology use, if possible, if this is an area that is, is becoming a problem for you. They say that over 70% of the world's population has got a smartphone now, and over 6% of the, the entire population has an addiction to the internet in some way, shape, or form. And this is a, a problem that's growing. And you, you will all know, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and co are made to pull you in. They want you to spend as much time as possible on their apps. That's how they make their money. And we need to be aware of this and be very intentional with our use of it and just observe our behavior on screens and how much is it actually bringing us. Is it bringing us uh, a net good effect, as Dr. Pilmeter puts it? Um, is it actually bringing us the desired results that we're wanting? Or when you say you know, I'm going to get fitter, and then you say, but I haven't got the time to train, and then you look at the screen time, if you recorded your whole day, how much of that screen time was actually work-related and actually bringing you something, and how much was actually just lost in the, the chaos of the social media world or the YouTube or whatever. Um, and when we start to look at the amounts of time that we are spending on those sorts of things, instead of doing the other things and not prioritizing. So putting some time constraints, certainly around your children's time is in front of screens, but also around yourself. Some time, some intentionality when it comes to what am I here to do and staying on target and not ending up somewhere completely different, which, you know, is a battle. I, I battle with this every day when I've got a hundred windows open and I don't feel like doing the thing that I'm meant to do. I often find myself off somewhere just staring at some news feed or some um, Instagram feed or whatever. So it's being aware that this is happening to our brains and this is making us um, wasting a lot of our time, a lot of our energy, and causing actual structural changes in the way our brains function. Um, a last point I wanted to bring up is, is around, well, the second to last actually, is around a connection to nature. I think it's, it's super important um, it's a proven fact that when we're out in nature, say in the, in the forest, in the bush somewhere, up on a mountain, down by the sea, that that has a calming effect on our body and turns our parasympathetic nervous system on and slows down the response of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And so having time out in nature, even if you're not doing the exercise, you're just hanging out in nature staring at the trees, the beautiful flowers, whatever it is that you really connect to, and having that time every day, and having that prioritized in your schedule. You know, I starting to, you know, like I have a very heavy, heavy workload, and I feel guilty every time I go to just sit at the beach, or go to go for a run in the park, because I could be doing a thousand other jobs. I could work 24-7, and the jobs would still be piling up, and I have to know that I have to prioritize and that it's okay for me to prioritize those other things because they will make me more productive in the long run and I'll have I'll be of much more use to everybody if I've had my time in nature and just being 
uh, as a human being was meant to be connected to nature outside moving in nature exercising in nature having some sunshine on my skin getting my vitamin d3 all of those things are starting to become more and more scarce in our life as we are in artificial environments all day with our jobs behind screens um, and then all night and then we're often turning to, you know, self-medicating at night with, with things like alcohol, sugar, food. And all this is a spiral that leads us down. And so the odds can be stacked against us. But it's up to us to understand the brain and to start to use the information to give us a hand up out of the spiral downwards. And once you start taking little steps, I know, you know, like I work with a lot of clients where we're working through different health issues with our epigenetics program, and often they want the big effect. They want to have it all perfect, and it's really important to come back and actually just tackle one or two things at a time. It might be getting out of nature more. It might be a little less time on the screen, and it might be doing those things before you even consider an exercise or a diet change, and you can't do it all at once. You can't. It's, it's too much. It's overwhelming. But when you start to make one or two steps that are healthier for you, that are getting you more on track, that are helping you strengthen your prefrontal cortex and your executive function and your ability to make good decisions, then it becomes easier to instigate the other changes that come after that, the food choices that are better, the exercise choices that are better. And that leads me on to my last topic for the day, and that is the lack of sleep. A lack of sleep we sometimes palm off as just being, you know, one of the ills of our world and we have busy lives. Um, maybe you're a shift worker and your circadian rhythms are all up the wops. Now, this has massive implications for our health, our brain health, for, for sure, um, and also all of our hormone production, our circadian rhythms. As human beings, we have a rhythm. We have a clock. Every cell in our body is on a clock and we have an internal clock that has the times we're meant to be asleep, the times we're meant to be awake, the times we should be exercising, the times when we're most alert. And understanding your chronobiology, and this is where epigenetics in the program that we do helps uh, um, define for us what for you your right chronobiology is. And then working out what time of the day should I be doing what and getting enough sleep is a huge priority. We need, as human beings, seven to eight hours. And a lot of people say, oh, I get by on, I get by on five to six or four to, to five, which is, yeah, you'll get away with it for a little while, but I can guarantee you, you're going to start losing brain cells. You're going to start, you're, you're increasing your risk of dementia later in life for Alzheimer's. You are, by sleep deprivation, anyone who's only getting, um, four to six hours sleep a night on average uh, statistic and I can't I can't tell you where the statistics from so I uh, hope I'm getting it right but on average uh, you'll be eating more calories if you are not having enough sleep and there's a couple of reasons for this you're not producing enough ghrelin which is like your hunger uh, that controls your hunger so you're more likely to have those cravings you're more likely to eat more and 350 calories a day extra onto your normal diet will mean weight gain. That's let alone from the fact that you're not getting the rest and repair and recovery that you need in order to function properly to have the right hormones. And all of these things will affect your metabolism and your 
your um, your thyroid and all your hormone production. So getting enough sleep. If there was one thing that you changed in your life at the moment, if you don't want to attack your food, you don't want to attack your exercise regime, you don't want to do anything else, getting out in nature or anything, if you prioritized and made it uh, a priority for your whole family to get more sleep, and if you're struggling with insomnia, then go back over my old past podcast. I've had a number of um, podcasts on sleep and insomnia and how to work on, on those sort of things, and I can do another one on that. But if you can get more sleep, if you can get to bed half an hour earlier, turn off the damn Netflix, and this is something I struggle with too when I'm relaxing in the evening and I want to binge watch something instead of going to bed, um, just understanding that having... Uh, an extra half hour of sleep, an extra hour of sleep will make a massive difference to your health, to your ability to function, for your productivity, for your hormonal health, for your metabolism, for your immune system. All of these repair processes are happening when you're sleeping. So if you're exercising hard and you're training for something big, but you're not getting enough sleep, then you're not going to be getting the effect that you could be getting out of that training. Same goes if you're eating perfectly but you're not getting enough sleep, you're not going to have the benefit of that food to its full effect. So prioritizing sleep is really, really, really crucial. Okay, can't uh, emphasize that enough. So we've covered off sleep, we've covered off exercise, we've covered off um, your executive fun fr function in your brain, your prefrontal cortex, your amygdala, how that can hijack your your logical thinking brain, how sugar affects this, how modern technologies affect this. Um, so I hope that this has given you some insights and some things to consider as you go throughout your day now. Just pick one or two of these aspects. Go back over, listen to this again, because there's a lot that I've just covered in a very short period of time. Pick one or two that you want to work on this week. Even one, even just if it's one might be slightly more exercise, it might be I'm trying to cut down on the sugar intake and the processed food intake, even if you haven't got the perfect diet and even if you haven't got the perfect exercise, work at it in incremental stages, don't go for perfection, do all, that, all those perfectionists out there, perfectionism is the enemy of prog progress because you'll be waiting till everything's perfect and that is never going to happen, just make a start with some very small steps. I hope this information has been fantastic for you. I hope it's given you something to think about. Go and check out that uh, book, Brainwash, by Dr. David and Dr. Austin Perlmutter. Um, and go and check out The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. They'll give you incredibly good insights. My book, of course, is coming out relentless on the 11th of March and is available now for pre-order. So if you want to head over and grab a copy of that, I've got a real special going on at the moment to get the ball rolling, to kickstart and get some momentum. I have given people access to my Mindset Mental Toughness Academy, Mindset U, for free if you pre-order the book. Uh, it won't ship until the 11th of March, but if you pre-order it now, you get a few dollars off the price, $29 instead of $35, and you get my mental toughness course, which is valued at $275. So grab that while you can, just in the next couple of weeks, and help me get Relentless out the door and um, spread the word about that, which is all about uh, my mum's journey back from massive brain 
injury um, and her brain rehabilitation, but it's also a book about mindset and overcoming obstacles and mental toughness and resilience. And, you know, elevating our potential as humans to, to uh, adapt and perform. So if you want to check that out, head on over to lisatamati.com, hit the shop button, uh, go to my book section, and you can pre-order that now. Thanks, guys, for listening again today. If you enjoy the content, please share this with a friend. It helps us get exposure and give us a rating and review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. And we'll see you again next week. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.